and welcome to TESOL Pop, the mini podcast for busy teachers. This week we're talking about working in Spanish-speaking countries. In particular, we're going to be focusing on, of course, Spain and Latin American countries. Uh, this is because Eve has worked there the most. And I'm going to be interviewing Eve to find out what life is like there in terms of cost of living and the work opportunities, as well as what are some of the benefits and the kind of work teachers can find out there. So aside from the fact that you lived and worked in Spain and also parts of Latin America for so long, why is it valuable for teachers um, who work in TESOL to know about uh, working in Spanish-speaking countries? I think just a huge percentage of jobs that you find on job sites these days are listed in Spanish-speaking countries. They make up a huge percentage of the world's population and I think it's also emerging. So Asia had its boom at the end of the 20th century. I think what we're going to see in the next few years is that uh, there's more growth in Latin America and more opportunities. So to get started, can you tell me where did you work, for how long, and what sort of teaching were you doing while you were there? Well, I started in Spain, um, and really I was doing a bit of everything there because I was at the beginning of my career and I wanted to try everything. So I taught corporate I taught general, adult general English, I taught young learners. Afterwards, I worked in Mexico for two and a half years, and um, by that point, I had specialised in teaching young learners, but I still kept up with my adult classes. So what would you say are the benefits of working in a Spanish-speaking country as a TESOL teacher? Well, I think really that's two questions. I think um, the two questions that kind of naturally arise from that are, uh, what's it like living in a Spanish-speaking country and what's it like working in a Spanish-speaking country because the two quite often go together. Mm-hmm. So I think in terms of living in a Spanish-speaking country, there are lots of obvious immediate benefits. I think the language is a huge one. I guess if I compare my experiences of learning Spanish with learning an Asian language like Vietnamese... Um, I found it much more accessible to learn Spanish because it's so similar to English. And I know a lot of uh, teachers that are living in Spanish-speaking countries do pick up the language and they do become quite competent with it compared to teachers in Asia that can sometimes feel like they don't integrate fully because they don't speak the language. Yeah, I, I would say when I moved to China as my first experience of working abroad, it took me quite a while to pick up Chinese. I mean, it's doable, but you will Mm. need to have a study schedule and commit some time to learning the language. Because for me, um, as a speaker of European languages, it was much more challenging for me to pick up Mm -hmm. uh, something like Chinese, Mandarin. And of course, if you have the language, then you can integrate with local people, you can go to parties, you can socialise... Um, in that language you can go to the cinema and watch a movie in that that language and I think it just opens up much more social experiences to you. Can we just talk a bit more about the language but uh, before we move on to talk about Mm -hmm. the benefits of the work? Sure. Um, My understanding is that you spoke Spanish quite well before you moved over to Spain which was your first uh, place is that correct no it's not actually oh. I learned Spanish from zero when I moved to Spain so I didn't know any Spanish before I moved to Spain and I started from zero weren't you a bit worried like moving over to somewhere where you don't speak the language wasn't that ever a concern a little bit but I was also really excited about learning that first language because I never really become fully proficient in a second language before so the whole process was just uh, exciting for me at that time And what about Mexico? Did you have any colleagues who were in a similar position to you? Because you went there a bit later on, having spent a few years in Spain and Mm -hmm. having picked up the language. Did you meet 
uh, fellow teachers who were moving over to Mexico having a, a basic understanding of Spanish and similar to you built up their language ability? Yeah, all the time really. Um, it was really common for teachers to come with a, a very low language level and then after being there for two years for three years they were pretty fluent. Um, I wouldn't say perfect Spanish but um, you know they were able to have conversations with locals and socialise. And is there a bit of a difference between the Spanish that you spoke in Spain and the Spanish that you spoke in Mexico? Did you have to change uh, anything or was there a big gap when, when you did the move? Yeah, uh, some basic vocabulary, for example. So the word for juice in Spanish in Spain is zumo and in Spanish in Mexico it's jugo. So I asked on the first day in Mexico for a juice and the waiter did not understand what I was asking for because it's a completely different word. Yeah. Um, and it's actually quite a lot of vocabulary. Uh, it felt like a lot at the time. So that took a while to adjust. But then after six or nine months, I'd gotten used to the new vocabulary that I needed to, to know. About the benefits of, of living there and, and the culture and the language development you get. What about the benefits of working as a teacher of TESOL in Spain or Latin America? Well, I think the opportunities are really diverse um, and you're probably going to find different opportunities in uh, certain parts of Latin America to the opportunities you'd find in Spain. But one thing I did notice that um, the countries seem to have in common was that there was plenty of work available for both young learner classes and for adult classes. And that's a bit of a contrast to, say, Asia, where the market is, what, 90% young learner. Mm -hmm. um, and only a small amount uh, adult. Not everybody likes working with young learners. So I think in Latin America, you have the chance to diversify the types of classes that you're teaching. Yeah, I'd say I've certainly seen that trend in China, having worked here for so long, that the young learner market is definitely mm. larger. It's growing still, whereas the adult uh, market, whether it's teaching corporate English or just general English to adults, seems to be shrinking, actually. Exactly. So in terms of working in these countries, what are the qualification requirements for teachers to be able to um, either work with young learners or, or teach adults English? Okay, that's an interesting question. Um, I think Spain's quite different there to a lot of countries in Latin America because Spain is part of Europe, it's quite legislated. So if you want to teach uh, in a public school, you need to have done civil service exams, Spanish civil service exams, and you need uh, probably a PGCE from your own country first before you can teach in one of their public schools. So um, PGCE is like a postgraduate certificate in education. I think in the States they have something else, but it's basically a teacher qualification. Exactly. You can work with young learners in the private sector. So if you work for a, a company uh, such as International House or the British Council, then it's fine uh, to work with young learners within that context. On the other hand, in a lot of parts of Latin America, for example Mexico, it's a lot more flexible, quite often with a bachelor's degree, or perhaps even with something like a CERT-ESOL or a TKT certificate, you can go and work in a public school. Does a CERT-ESOL need to come from um, one of the no, well, better-known bodies such as Trinity College London or, or Cambridge? Again, that's a good question. Um, I think it's quite flexible. So I think CELTA and Trinity Cert TESOL always tend to be the first choice with TEFL certs. But I think Mexico is one of those markets where um, 
you know, it's not as regulated and there will be cases of people who can get jobs in schools without having a, a cert TESOL or a CELTA. So you're thinking about once you're there and you, you started your career and you're working in Latin America or even Spain as an English teacher, what opportunities are there to develop and, and grow as a teacher over there in terms of professional development, uh, webinars or conferences that you can attend? Well, again, I think it depends a lot on the country that you're working in. I can speak for the countries that I've worked in. Uh, I found that in Mexico, it did depend a little bit on the school that you were working for. Yeah. And it would depend on what type of school uh, that was. So perhaps the international schools tend to have a lot of resources. So sometimes they can fund things like master's programs for their teachers, extra certificates. Public schools perhaps have fewer resources. Um, I worked for the British Council, which had an excellent um, CPD programme for teachers, uh, which involved training sessions. It allowed you to set your own learning objectives and work towards those over time in your own way, really. Uh, Spain, what I found, found quite interesting about being there was that a lot of prominent people in the uh, EFL industry live in Spain, and they organise things like meetups, conferences... There are a lot of things like webinars, and so I think it's quite easy to connect with the broader ELT community living in Spain. Mm. It sounds like if you're working in uh, public schools in Mexico, it sounds like you have to be a little bit more proactive in designing your own mm. development path and reaching out to the online community, the international community of TESOL, to support your development, because the school, from the sounds of things, may not have the funds to do a professional development scheme or buy all the resources in is, is that right absolutely yeah I think uh, teachers need to be very proactive and I'd always I would always advise any teacher that was thinking of going to work in Mexico that they should find out as much as possible about their school first because some schools are very underfunded and don't have very many resources so that should be something that teachers think about before they make the decision to make that move Okay, so thinking about the cost of living in these countries versus the salary potential, um, how does the salary compare to the cost of living in Spain and Mexico? Um, I think that's what people always want to know when yeah. uh, you talk about teaching in Latin America. And uh, there's the old cliche or the, the old stereotype that people have that uh, you can't survive if you're a teacher living in Spain or Latin America um, and I think that's not always true. I think you have to be smart about where you live, um, but there are plenty of places you can live um, and, and live a satisfying life. So let's start with Spain. I think in Spain, um, salaries vary probably from about 800 euro at the lower end up to 2,000 euro, 2,200 euro at the top end. One thing that I did notice when I was looking at job pages recently in Spain was that salaries have not gone up much in the last 10 years. In fact, they were pretty similar to when I lived there 10 years ago. Uh, so that might be something to be wary of in terms of inflation. Um, in Mexico, salaries vary hugely. So if you work in the countryside in a province, uh, your salary is probably going to be maybe around 10,000 pesos a month which is about $500 perhaps, maybe even less. Um, if you work in the capital, it's going to be more. At an international school, probably you might be able to get up to 35,000 pesos, which is 
uh, more than $1,500 a month, $1,700, around that sort of amount. US dollars, right? US dollars, exactly, which is enough to lead a very comfortable life. So I was able to rent a two-bedroomed apartment on my salary comfortably in Mexico City. Does it also help you cover the student loans? I think for our generation, a lot of us are entering the job market for the first five, ten, maybe longer Mm -hmm. years, paying off a student loan. Um, Is it enough to pay off that, would you say? Well, I think the way the student loans company calculates the repayments is based on your income anyway, so they do take that into account. Yeah, for the UK system, definitely. Uh Uh-huh. So they'll look at the threshold for the country that you're living in, um, and then they'll make a valuation based on that. So I I don't think that's anything to worry about, really. Mm Mm-hmm. I think one of the questions that come to mind for me would be about safety because I've never been to Latin America Mm. and I've only ever travelled in Spain as a a holiday tourist basically. How safe is it to live and work in the countries that you've been to? Well, I personally didn't have any safety issues um, but obviously occasionally things do happen. Um, I think the best thing to do if you're thinking of going is to actually look at the crime statistics Mm. Um, I know that the media can sometimes overplay things. So uh, Mexico gets a really bad rep in the press. Um, but if you actually compare some of the statistics, crime statistics, um, then I think Detroit and Chicago and some other cities in the US are actually technically more dangerous in the number of homicides um, you know, per year. So I think research first, and then it's Mexico City... A lot of the bigger Latin American cities do have crime. And I think you do have to take precautions. To most cities around the world, wouldn't you? Exactly. Just being a bit streetwise, essentially. Mm -hmm. And just to clarify, you went there by yourself. Like, you travelled as a woman going Mm -hmm. over there and you lived there, you know, by yourself. And did you feel quite safe? All the time. I never travelled anywhere where I didn't feel safe in Mexico. And I've had other experiences in other parts of the world where perhaps I did feel a little bit unsafe and I never really felt that when I was living in Mexico. Mm. I think the key thing is, like you said, because obviously Latin America is comprised of so many different countries. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously there's different parts of Spain as well, different cities. Do your research first and and find out, as you say, what the crime statistics are um, so that you can go... With, a, with an idea of how, how you can keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. So overall, would you recommend working as a TESOL teacher in a Spanish-speaking country based on your experience in, in Mexico specifically and Spain? Absolutely, yeah. I think they're amazing places to live and work. Um, I'd always say to any teacher, uh, research the country that you're thinking of living in first because you're going to have a very different experience in the mountains of Bolivia compared to a big bustling metropolis like Mexico City. Uh, So definitely do your homework and find out about the culture, but my experiences have been overwhelmingly positive. Certainly after speaking to you about your experiences, like I'm like, oh, I'm actually considered teaching in Latin America, particularly Mexico, uh, because I hadn't considered it before, because I think I had notions of it that were coloured by Mm -hmm. the press and the media. Um, but having met so many people who've worked there now and people from there here living in Hong Kong, it's such an international city, it certainly appeals and it's, it's on my bucket list. You should definitely give it a go. For more information about working in Spanish-speaking countries as well as TESOL-related stuff, you can go to our website. 
So if you've got a question that you want us to answer, you can contact us at www.tesolpop.com. Alternatively, you can contact us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. And that's all from us this week. See you next week.